I've always thought I was a witch since I was like a kid. I just felt like I had power. <laughs> I mean, and I do. This is Your Magic, a Spotify original from Parcast Studios and Your Magic Media. I'm Michelle T. Today on our episode, I'm going to talk with the amazing Busy Phillips, actor, memoirist, abortion rights advocate, and host of the fantastic podcast, Busy Phillips is doing her best. We'll talk about crystals and meditation and babies. Next, we'll have a spell concocted by an adult witch and her seven-year-old friend. It's a ritual to bring laughter, and yes, it involves a whoopee cushion. And finally, we're going to hear from Dory Midnight, an East Coast witch whose fertility nectar I used in my own baby quest, and she'll tell us about her practice of creating charmed honey. Stay with us. About nine years ago, when I was at the tender age of 40, trying to get pregnant, it seemed like what I really needed to help things along was magic. I understand making babies is basic science, right? It's like super 101. But as a single ovary-having person who didn't really date sperm-having people, it was a challenge. Then there was my age, right? I was still ovulating, but I feared my eggs were hobbling down my fallopian tubes on little walkers with tennis balls jammed on the ends. I was psyched to learn there was so much baby-making magic out there. Charms, candles, crystals, herbs for fertility, mother goddesses to give offerings to. My altar was jammed with all this stuff. I meditated with a sweet gob of fertility honey in my mouth while talking in my mind to the spirit of my baby, which I was encouraged to do by blogs. You know, imagine that the spirit's just hovering around waiting for a good entry. I found a piece of dead coral on a Mexican beach that was so phallic, I could only imagine there was some virile sea deity out there watching me and letting me know that they were down with my quest. I put that on my altar too. Even the tips that came at me from the material world, like lay with your legs in the air after insemination, have an orgasm, drink maca, they seem like witchcraft too. At the end of it all, the only way I was ever going to get knocked up was through the magic of IVF. But the universe did bring to me a temporary partner who also wanted a baby and who had eggs 10 years younger than me and a job with health insurance to put me on and money to make a test tube baby. I can promise you, if you knew my dating history, you'd understand how unusual it was for me to date somebody with these interests and resources. The Goddess definitely brought this person into my life to help me make the baby I'd been craving. That baby is six now, born on the cusp of Scorpio, and he loves picking all the grisliest swords cards from my tarot decks. Thank you, Goddix. Today's guest, Busy Phillips, knows what it's like to be the parent of a couple of witch babies. We're going to talk to her about motherhood, Moldavite, and meditation. Here is Busy. Hi. Hi. Thank you for coming. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, you brought out all your crystals, so I'm going to bring the crystals that have been in my purse. Okay, cool. Some, sometimes, and I'm wearing, let's see, I'm wearing my ring that has rose quartz. Beautiful. Moonstone, moonstone. And then this is a Moldavite. Oh my God, I'm freaking out right now. I've never even touched a Moldavite what? in real wait, life. You, oh, wait, I want you to put this in your hand and then just like explain what you feel. Okay, Moldavite is a powerful green crystal. This is this one is a very dark green one. Mm -hmm. They always look sort of rough and bumpy. They're very rare, right? They're not pretty. It does seem like an alien rock. It's really wild. And you carry it in a little plastic a little envelope. You have to cuz it's, it's it's small so tiny. And it's small and precious, but like if I want to hold it, sometimes I put um 
Oh, my God. Sometimes I put crystals in my bra. <laughs> I love that. I love okay, that. So that's my Moldavite. Why do you carry these beauties around with you? What do they do for you? I don't know. I like reassurance, yeah. you know? And I'm a little bit of a person who feels like, and I've said this to Birdie, my older daughter, like, well, can't hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it right? can't hurt to have some extra protection. Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, you're so clearly into all this mm-hmm. stuff. What is your sign? I'm a cancer. Do you feel like you are a cancer? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. For the most part, yeah. What is it like to be a cancer? I'm very sensitive. Mm-hmm. I'm super emotional. My home is very important. I'm married to a cancer. What's the vibe? Well, we both really have a deep focus on our home mm-hmm. and, like, making our home kind of perfect, like our shell perfect. Yeah. We are constantly doing work, like, thinking of ways that we want it to improve or mm-hmm. make it cozier. You know, it's really interesting. So I think I have a Leo rising, too. I mean, you feel kind of Leo-y. Yeah, I have, like, a fire in me. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, like, you're you're so comfortable to, like, talking and being casual and open. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a very Leo. Yeah. It's not kind of a cancer. It's not very much a cancer. No, no, no. I'm much more extroverted than any other cancers yeah. that I know, including my daughter and my husband. I mean, for an actor, it's great to be a Leo. It's surprising how many Leos, I think, are actors or how many actors are Leos. There's a lot of cancers, though, too. Really? Yeah, sensitive. Like, they're able to, like, channel emotion and stuff. For sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's cool. Do you have a spiritual practice or, like, a self-care practice? Like, what does that look like for you? Well, I just started meditating. Oh. What kind of meditation are you doing? (laughs) There's so many styles. There are styles, yeah. The guy that I worked with, practice is a kind of meditation that's sort of an offshoot of TM. Okay. So it's not TM. It's mm-hmm. not a part of the TM organization. So TM is Transcendental Meditation. Uh-huh. And that's its own kind of brand, right? It's you a have brand, to get a te- teacher. And, yeah. yeah. So what, what so do you, you get do? Like, so you get a mantra that's private. Okay. <laughs> like you, you don't have don't, to share it on the you podcast. You don't share it. You don't say it out loud. <laughs> You're supposed to do it 20 minutes twice a day. But... I'm not hard on myself. I know some people who've, like, tried to get into meditation, and then they end up, like, feeling guilty when they don't do it correctly or they whatever. They want to win at meditation. Right. Yeah. But my teacher, Taya, was really lovely and was like, we all do the best we can, and so this is our goal. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you get there, you don't get there. We yeah. hope you do. But if you don't, you know— Tomorrow's a new day. How long have you been doing it for? I mean, no, really just started like four days ago. Oh, okay. So mm-hmm. you probably haven't had any massive effects of it yet, or have you? Kind of, I have actually. But I've, but it's a little bit unfair for me to say I just started four days ago because number one, I'm an actor and I have mm-hmm. been my whole life. And like all of the work that actors do, whether or not you like go to a school or do whatever, you're in classes and it's all about breathing uh-huh. and putting yourself into other realities and yeah. like getting into. To a different headspace and like it's all these like different things where you're you know going inward right so I feel like my entire life I've sort of been able to have that kind of connection and then I've done yoga since I was a teenager and yeah. so yoga that practice and shavasana and yeah you know like that's all meditation right for sure has your attitude towards spirituality changed over time I don't know. I mean, I think I was always very into, like, astrology and um, ties to the universe. Mm -hmm. And it was never, even though my parents were Catholic Uh and I was sort of taken to church and tried to 
you know, be put into that place. Yeah. Like that never really – that never was a thing that resonated for me. Mm-hmm. But this other like the idea of things happening when they need to, of mm-hmm. things presenting themselves when you need to see them, like all of those things I've really subscribed to since I was like pretty young, yeah. you know. And that was just – I don't know – that wasn't anything that my parents kind of instilled in me. It was more just who I was. You had that kind of connection. I just felt, yeah, I just felt that. That just felt right to me. Do you think that, I don't know, being raised Catholic makes you more prone to a sort of mysticism? I feel like Catholics are like the witches of the Christian, like, of I've Christianity. Always thought, Do you know maybe, what I mean? Maybe, maybe. I've always thought I was a witch since mm-hmm. I was, like, a, a kid. Well, how did that feel when you were a kid? What did that mean to you? I just felt like I had power. <laughs> I mean, and I uh-huh. do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I and I felt like my mom had power, too. Uh-huh. And I felt like hers was maybe even, like, a little bit less harnessed than mine. Uh-huh. She was open to it. So I remember yeah. having weird conversations with her, like, in fourth grade, where I would tell her that I was pretty sure that we were witches. <laughs> really? Yeah. Was she rece- receptive yeah, to it? Yeah, she's into it. That's she liked cool. it. That's cool. That's really but cool. But I would always have like weird dreams or visions or deja vu or yeah. like things that I just knew were going to be true yeah. and they were ended up being true. Yeah. And that just like always would reaffirm my witchiness. Yeah. And continues to. And then my my one daughter is like very witchy. Really? Mm-hmm. You can see it in her? Can she recognize it in herself? Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. It's cool. That's very And then neat. my other daughter truly exists on a celestial level. Like, I don't think she's bound by the constraints of the real world, <laughs> if that makes any sense. She's operating to according to a different set of rules? No, just, like, she doesn't—I think that, the, that everything is open to her, like, mm-hmm. consciousness-wise. Like, I think she came into this world with just, like, a higher consciousness, and she just definitely communes with nature Mm -hmm. in a way like she really really and most like tiny kids do but at a certain point they like lose their magic yeah you know and they move into the real world and she just has never stopped oh do you like that too do you like to commune with nature is that part of your sort of spiritual I don't know. Proclivities. I love like little spiritual creatures. Uh Ones that you can really imagine being an emissary from like the beyond. Yeah. It's interesting that I named Birdie Birdie and I have a tattoo of a hummingbird for her. Mm. And then Cricket is Cricket. And crickets are magical, Mm -hmm. you know. And she is magic. Like she's like a magic person. I know I could cry. Um, I used to say to Mark, who's my husband and the father of my children, I used to say that I was so concerned because it almost feels like Cricket's too magical to belong to anyone. Like, she doesn't even belong to me. Like, she's—does this make sense? It does, yeah. Like, I was worried about it, like, that she would be taken from me somehow. Oh, no. Yeah. Because, like, like she's a, like a fairy changeling creature. Correct. And, and that her fairy family will come for her. <laughs> correct. Oh, my God. Yeah, that she's just—she's she's so— like pure magic oh. that she, that I don't like that she doesn't belong to us. She belongs to the universe, and they're going to oh, come get her. It's so special. Well, the universe I will know. come get all of us. But I mean, how how lovely to be carrying that magic out into the world. Like, who knows what she'll do with it?
Well, I have a deck of tarot cards here. Have you ever had your tarot cards read before? Oh, for sure. I am not surprised. Do you have anything that you'd like to pick cards on today? Here, should we ask it if I'm going to have another baby? Okay. So, what does it look like? What would it look like if I had another baby? Yes or no? Okay. Queen of Discs, Knight of Swords. And the Hanged Man. Whoa! Interesting. What does that well, mean? I mean, the Hanged Man makes know. it really makes sense that you would get the Hanged Man for a question like that because it's like so. Let's just start at the begin beginning with the Queen of Discs. I mean, this lady has it made. She's sitting on a giant pineapple. She's holding this beautiful globe. She's gazing out at her fertile land that she owns. I mean, she's just like, I own the world. I'm great. And so what I think this is saying, she's got her little goat familiar Oh, right, there is that I'm her. doing good right now. You're doing rad. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm good. Um, I'm and the queen on, of discs. You are the queen of discs. Um, That's what people call me. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's saying a couple, of, I th and I think there's two meanings to this. I think that one meaning is... Um, You've got the resources. Mm, You've got sure. the resources to yes, do this. You sure. know, you've got the fertile landscape. You want to get pregnant, you're, you'll I, get oh, pregnant. Oh, by the way, we know this about me. Yeah, yes. okay, yeah. I mean, I think saying Sneeze that in all, my direction. <laughs> all roads are open. Yeah, okay. Um, it, but I think it also might be saying, like, you got it really good right now. Yeah, You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, things are uh -huh. really good. Um, the Knight of Swords, this is really interesting. This is an air card, an air sign, and it's showing this knight and his his horse is just bursting off into going really, really fast. He's got little, um, really beautiful, like dragonfly wings on his helmet mm -hmm. that are spinning. And he's got these little friend birds I know. that are next to him. It's like, I feel like you would get pregnant very quickly. It would all happen very mm -hmm. quickly. I mean, this is sort of a card where set your mind to it and it's going to happen. Right. It's supported. It has, you have support in this. The hanged man is intense. Um, but it is an intense situation that you deliberately put yourself in. It's not like the tower where something sort of happens unexpectedly. You really know, I'm going to do this thing. It's going to fuck my life up for a short, certain period of time. Mm -hmm. But I'm That's doing it. That's what children are, That's what children are. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to deliberately fuck my life for a while. Mm -hmm. um, but... You know, but it's a it, choice. It's a choice, and and you're not, and you're making it because there is a greater good to come out of it. It's like so. The illustration of the it's hanged really man, it, yeah. In this one, it's this guy who's hung by one foot from an ankh, and his other leg is crossed, and his arms are stretched out. It looks really uncomfortable, but he deliberately put himself in that pose because it's going to help him reach nirvana. So mm -hmm. it's sort of like you suffer through nine months of pregnancy and all of the postpartum hormonal elevator mm -hmm. drop and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, having reduced movement in your life because of the joy and the beauty that come with being a parent, bringing like a person into the world and seeing that magic unfold. So I think what this is telling you is that, um, you know, be prepared to put everything on hold for a bit if, if you do it, if you would if, have if enough, I wanted if you to. want. Yeah, yeah. That's what it would look like. Yeah. Thanks for all your insight. Yeah. I feel like it was really like reaffirming of things that I sort of was already feeling, but it was nice to see them. Yeah. Laid and out hear there. them cool. from someone else who yeah. has no idea. Yeah. Hi, I'm Bruxa. Uh, I'm a queer witch from Brazil, Latina. Um, and I am an artist, performer. So this is called the Laughing Jar, and it's a spell to invoke laughter and joy. It's dedicated to the goddess Talia. 
I actually created this with a seven-year-old boy who's very goblish. <laughs> so we will need a jar, a picture of something that makes you laugh, some biodegradable glitter, um, cotton balls. I put in a clown nose. And then I thought a whoopee cushion for you to place the jar on top of. You put everything in the jar except for the whoopee cushion because that's going to be um, underneath, right? And then what, once you put your clown nose, your cotton balls, your glitter, picture the mix of something that makes you laugh uh, and anything else that brings you joy, you also want to laugh inside of the jar and then fart. <laughs> fart in the jar. <laughs> There's also a little saying and it goes like this. Goddess Talia, this is a gift of silence. This is a present of air, kisses, and hugs. May the tears that fall from our eyes be the product of abundant laughter. Puff, 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 toot, toot, toot. OMG, thank you, Bruja and young friend. Because I live with a six-year-old, I am constantly reminded how hilarious farts are. But if you had forgotten, we've brought you this spell. You're welcome. Back when I was working very hard to conceive my whoopee cushion loving six-year-old, I ingested all sorts of tinctures and supplements on top of IVF medications. And by far, my favorite Baby Vibes ritual was consuming honey that had been charmed for fertility by the witch Dory Midnight. Anything can be a vessel and a vehicle for a spell and for magic and healing. Dory's going to tell us about her magic nectar, but heads up, Dory is a queer witch with a radically queer practice. And like a lot of marginalized folks, she's reclaimed some of the language that has historically been used against queers, and she employs it with consciousness and love. Here is Dory Midnight to tell us why the magic of bees is so potent. You know, I was seeing people out of my house and this really sweet older fag contacted me and was like, can you make me a custom love spell formula? I feel like it was like on the summer solstice or something and like just to kind of sweeten himself for this love spell. Like he was like, I want to fall in love with myself. I want to feel like I am so lovable. I want to like undo all of the stories of like unworthiness and not deserving love and unlovability and shame. And we talked a lot about honey as sort of like being the perfect vehicle for that because it has this like stickiness and like invitation to others. And it also has this like kind of like communal medicine in it. You know, it's made by lovemaking, right? It's like made in this kind of like orgy of elements of like sunshine and flowers. So I started making like big batches in my kitchen, in my, in a pot, like where I would just like infuse the honeys and, um, you know, I was using like orange blossoms and roses and then putting the essences in and jarring them up. And I made batches of abundance honey and batches of love spell honey, and batches of sex honey. And then I would get to hear like these incredible stories from people about like how they use them. There's like one time I walked into a shop in San Francisco 
and people were like, oh, Dory, you, we, like our friends bought us a hot sex honey from you. And then it was like, what started out with like people like licking the honey off each other's arms at, after, like at a party. And then it just turned into like this, like, you know, queer sex extravaganza with like the honey all over everybody. I'm Jewish and so much of my practice is really grounded and rooted in Jewish healing and magic. And honey is just really core to Jewish tradition. Like it's in the Torah, it's in like sacred texts from like second and third century. Just a drop of honey have, has like revived people when they were close to death, you know? So it just has that aspect of kind of restoring someone to life. So like even when you're facing kind of like the hardest aspects of yourself or you're wrestling with really hard relationships or you're in deep grief or heartbreak that just like having a spoonful of honey like sweetens the bitterness of life. I just think sometimes when we're facing down the big scary world, it's just a drop of sweetness that we need to help us reconnect to self-compassion or to our bodies or our lives. One of the reasons I loved taking Dory's Honey while I was also shooting my butt up with fertility hormones is that it reconnected me just to the sweet, simple root of my situation. I was just a person in a body trying to have a baby. We hope you have honey in your cabinet for when you need just a little sweetness reality check and or a whoopee cushion lying around if you need to be reminded that laughter is still the best, most magical medicine, and a crystal to tuck into your pocket for bravery or love or intuition, whatever your great big life is asking of you today. Thank you for tuning into Your Magic. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at This Is Your Magic. Subscribe to us here on Spotify so that you never miss an episode. And sign up for our newsletter at thisisyourmagic.com and you'll get more musings from our team of spiritual seekers. You can email us also at hello at thisisyourmagic.com. We would love to hear from you. This episode was produced and edited by Molly Elizalde and Tony Gannon. Production support came from Veronica Agard, Christine Marr, Raven Yamamoto, and Vera Blossom. Our executive producers are Ben Cooley, myself, and Molly Elizalde. Our original theme music is by John Kimbrough. Special thanks to Max Miller. Join us next week for a conversation with Alexander Chi. Thanks again for listening. 